All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. Hey, guys, get down to Martin's downtown this weekend. Tonight, it's Ribeye Steak Night. And also, playing live, Tyler Flathall and the Forgotten Few. Got a really cool logo here on their flyer. It looks kind of got a acoustic Guns N' Roses kind of vibe to it. Not quite sure what kind of music it is, but uh, the logo looks great. So maybe the music is, too. Don't forget, coming up next weekend, on the 20th, Jackson's very own. Our one of our success stories, the weeks will be live at Hallam Miles on their dear Bo Jackson tenth anniversary tour. So check them out the weeks next weekend at Martin's downtown. Get down there today for the blue plate lunch. Sean and I ate there yesterday. Got the country fried steak again because it's so good that I'm I'm scared to try anything else on the menu. And uh Sean got the hamburger. Today's lunch special is fried chicken. Look, let me just tell you, anything fried at Martin's is good. Just just say, to heck with the diet. Don't worry about the carbs. Go to Martin's, get something fried, or try the ribeye steak tonight. You can check them out online, martinsdowntownjxn.com. Go enjoy the patio. Go enjoy all the football games this weekend on the big screens indoors, outdoors. It's where you want to be. Best bar in town. Best beer selection in town. Uh, best drinks in town. I'll go on record. With that one, yeah. So go plus, check if, them out. if you go there at lunch, you get to see all the politicians. Oh yeah, you get to overhear some interesting hubbub rumors. It, it, look, man, we walked in yesterday and ran into the living legend himself sitting at the bar, and I knew to myself, well, if this guy's in here, no matter how many people dislike me and Jackson, they dislike him a little bit more. Kim Wade was sitting at the bar having a <laughs> not drinking. I don't want to put. He was eating his lunch at the bar there. So it was good to see Kim. He doesn't drink till he's on air. Yeah. That's when he waits. He waits. <laughs> That's what he so, uh, of course, you can get uh, you can get all of Martin's food delivered to you. All that information is there on their website, martinsdowntownjxn.com. All right. Um, we were Russ. I got Russ Latino with the Magnolia Tribune and Sean York around here in the studio with me. Guys, I, I know y'all have text, the Guns and Gear text line. Uh, just three of us in here talking. I, I just don't know if we're going to have time to get to the text today. But I do appreciate you blowing up the guns in your text line. I, I, y'all got a bunch of great stuff in there that could take this. They could take this show for another two or three hours. But um, Russ, we were talking about the public defender system in Mississippi and how it's got some serious work that needs to be done. I'm gonna pass it back to you. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the U.S. Constitution, at least as the Supreme Court has interpreted it, guarantees somebody right to an effective assistance of counsel. And it's and it's supposed to be provided by the state, not the county. And and typically the way that works is that states have been tasked with, and the Supreme Court has tasked states with, hey, you've got to develop a system to make sure that people have access to counsel. Uh, most states do that in sort of a centrally controlled system where the state itself administers or the state partners with local jurisdictions, right, to make sure that there are, there are attorneys in place. Uh, Mississippi's got a system that's almost exclusively local, we have an office of state public defender, but they don't do what the state public defenders does in every other state, pretty much. Um, so it's almost exclusively local. And what happens is that a judge will appoint an attorney uh, to represent a defendant, but that happens at the point of indictment, right? And so you've got this sort of dead zone between when somebody gets arrested and when somebody gets indicted, where in Mississippi, there's no access to counsel. The end result of that is in a lot of cases, you got people sitting in prison for a year, two years, even three years, uh, some of these folks, not having representation that can help them get out, that can help them get their bail reduced, that can force a speedy trial, which is another constitutional guarantee. 
And so you've got folks sitting in prison who have never even been indicted for a crime for that length of time. And my whole thing is not that, hey, people who commit crime shouldn't be prosecuted. By all means, prosecute them. Mm -hmm. But do it in a way that doesn't deprive them of their liberty before they're ever convicted or indicted with something, right? Mm -hmm. And so the system's been set up in a way where that's not happening. Candidly, I think there are a whole bunch of constitutional violations floating around out there. So two years ago, I filed a, um, a rule change with the Mississippi Supreme Court that basically said that there should be continuity of counsel, that from the point of arrest uh, through trial, you should have access to an attorney. And the Supreme Court actually ended up putting that rule into place. But what it's, what it's forced is the system's not ready for it. Yeah. So the hearing that you were in yesterday really is sort of a reaction to the change in the rule where it's like, oh, gosh, now we've got to modernize our system so that we can actually live up to this rule. Um, and so I credit uh, Nick Bain, who's obviously on his way out, but a good guy um, for holding that hearing yesterday. Yeah, congratulations to him. Actually, I wanted to say that yesterday about, you know, that that's a guy that actually stood up what he believed in, and we just need more of that. You know, I Absolutely. really respect him for that. Well, he's got to start being a regular on the show, is he? too. So, yeah, we're going to have Nick on here a good bit moving forward. So we'll get to talk about some of that stuff. Cool, cool. Sean, what's your, what's your thought? I mean, this is really something that's near Yeah, it's in my heart. wheelhouse, right? I kind of, yeah, I kind of saw this for so long. Well, you know, I tell you what I think. I, some of my best friends in the world are public defenders. You know, that's kind of what happens when you work at the DA's office. And, and it's not this whole, like, you know, law and order thing where you think everybody hates each other. Everybody's kind of buddies. And, um, they're, man, they're overworked. I mean, the ones that, you know, in Hines County, they have so many cases that it's tough for them to, to deal with it. Well, we're talking the, about what Russ is talking the about. The Hines County public defender was saying yesterday that she's so under-budgeted that she's losing all of her best and brightest up-and-coming public defenders to the Hines County DA office because they can make like 35000 more a year or something. What I was told is that the Hines County, I think their public defender's office pays around sixty, which is higher than they used to. I believe that's right. Somebody can probably correct me. I know the DA's salary moved up to around 120 assistant DA's. Yeah. So it's a significant difference there. And um, they... Um, the problem is, like Russ is saying, you, what we face, and I think Hines County is probably the biggest offender of this, is about the amount of people that were stuck in pretrial detainees out in Raymond. You know, you'd have the two, three years. Well, the public defender's office doesn't have enough people to go out to sit there in Raymond and talk to these guys that have, are just arrested for armed robbery or auto burglary or they're there on a whatever. I mean, so that's a really difficult thing. They don't have the staff for it. There's just no way they could do that. And, um, I think the I remember when Russ did the rule change. Remember when you posted about it a couple of years ago? I thought it was a great thing because that needs to happen. If there was sometimes, you know, I remember Allison Kelly. She won't mind me bringing up her name. She was real good about this. She'd go out to the jail and people that were arrested and not indicted yet. She'd say, "Hey, let's go work up a bill of information. Let's plead them out." And we do that all the time. We would get these guys out of jail, especially on nonviolent crimes. It was a lot easier to do that. And so she would go out there and bring me all these cases. Like we got, you know, ten dudes that haven't been indicted. Like let's just. Freedom out. If anyone does with a bill of information, simply it's just a. It's basically you're waiving indictment and you're putting in guilty. You're agreeing to plead guilty to uh, you know like a an indictment without the grand jury is the best way I can put it. And uh, so we do that. If you had more people doing that, I think it would alleviate the problem because there's so many guys out there, so many cases where they're just um they're, they they can be pled out. You get this worked out, but instead because they haven't got to the indictment stage yet, they're just going to sit there. I remember one guy we had. They used to send us a jail list every um, week, and we try to like do our best to get the people that had been in there the longest out. Some guys in there though, you'd have like a murder charge, which is not easy to work out. You can't just plead a murder charge on a Friday. You know, you got to call victims' families. You got to make sure everything works. It's a it's a lengthy. It's not an easy process. That's why so many of them go to trial, um, because you know and um. And I think if you were able to 
do that where you could bring in those cases that are sitting there with more public defenders, you'd get you'd alleviate that jail problem a whole lot. But there were some people, that's where I was going with it. I remember one guy was in there for like six to seven years as a pretrial detainee out in Raymond one time. I remember and I think they wrote that. an article about it eventually, but I remember seeing this and I was like, Oh my God, like how is this guy you know, how is this guy sitting down here for six, seven years? But they would just get lost in the indictment process. Now I've heard Jody's office is actually doing a pretty good job with this in terms of getting things in and out. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and they're actually indicting things faster than our office was, you know, knock at us. But because of the people would sit out there and it would and it was horrible. So well, I think this is just a great thing. I think they need to put as much money in the public defender system as we can, and it should be equally funded with the DAs. The, um, the pay should be the same as assistant DAs. I don't understand why. I, I mean, I told you this. We were walking out of the Capitol yesterday, Clay, and let's just be honest. The reason the assistant DAs get paid more is because everybody loves law and order, right? It's easy to run on that. You can say, we're tough on crime. Let's pay the assistant DAs. Let's pay the cops. Nobody wants to pay the, the dude that's representing the murderer. It just doesn't sell as well politically, and that's a hard, it's a politically challenging well, thing to do. I think do. that's right, but I mean, imagine sitting in prison for six or seven years without having your day in court. Absolutely. Yeah. And all, and like, Dwayne Lake's a great example of this. So Dwayne Lake was in prison for six years before his trial was ever held. He was mm-hmm. accused of double homicide. He was acquitted, right? The yeah. jury, the jury, Found him not guilty of those crimes, mm-hmm. but in the process of sitting in prison for six years, waiting for his day in court, he lost his job, he lost his wife, he lost his kids. All those years of his life, just uh, yeah, sitting there, right? Maybe, so, yeah. I mean, at some level, it's not a question about whether or not we should be prosecuting people who are guilty of mm-hmm. offenses. We should, yeah. And not providing for a public defender, not giving people access to effective counsel prevents the administration of justice absolutely absolutely does and i think you know most prosecutors are on the ones i know are on board with this because we all well we used, i used to joke around clay uh, that you know prosecutor when you're in the criminal defense system prosecutors and defenders are kind of like i used to call us minor league baseball players we get traded all the time like one day you're an assistant da the next day you're a public defender it just kind of works out that way so everybody sure. understands the system the way the system works out and I, I think everybody agrees that they should be paid the same and why this hasn't been done i think goes to what i was saying that it's a political thing it doesn't sell soap the way paying you know uh, law enforcement does so hopefully that'll change now you know and that's maybe a good thing about some things um, moving to the left a little bit on criminal justice reform is because the right has picked up, I think I told Russ this the other night, the right has picked up this mantle too. It's like an issue we agree on, that criminal justice needs reform, that we need reforms in this system. And I see both sides kind of pushing that. I mean, even President Trump signed that. Yeah, that, no, look, what, you know. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge supporter of some criminal justice reform. And, you know, I, I made the point. Say, say you're a uh, law-abiding citizen and you have to defend yourself in a life-or-death situation and you end up on trial, not all of us can afford a John Coletti or a Merida Coxwell. No. You're gonna, I would have to have a good public defender. And if I firmly believe I'm innocent, I need a good public defender to defend me. That could be any of us. It ain't just, I know the conservative viewpoint is, shouldn't have left around, shouldn't have found out. Well, what about the innocent people? Who are being falsely accused? Yeah, I mean, and then um, you know, we were talking about the break about the crack epidemic. Remember? Yeah, a lot of these laws that we have, and you guys know this was in 1995. We passed this thing called Truth and Sentencing, and it was a reaction. I think it was 95, a reaction or overreaction to the crack epidemic because mm-hmm. what you know our parents' generation faced in the 1980s was a was a significant crime problem that they dealt with in the 80s in response to that thing. And I think that was just a, you know, just like anything else in politics or whatever, there's going to be a massive overreaction. Let's do this. So they passed all these laws. Like prior to 1995, you could be you convicted of murder and you were parole eligible after 10 years in Mississippi. That was the law. 
after 1995, it was, you know, life or bust at that point. So, I mean, there was, and they, like I said, those were reactions to those. And they changed that a bit in 2014, which I forget. I think it's House Bill 585, something like that. I can't remember the name. And they changed that, and that was good. And I, I still think more needs to be done. But there, um, that has kind of reformed that overreaction, you know, and kind of lessened our jail population. Yeah, I mean, 585 in, in 2013 or 14, and then um, the, the parole bill that was done in 2021 were good steps to making sure that there are tools on the table that we put resources towards the people that are the biggest threats right Mm -hmm. i I think you know look on the public defender thing if you support support law enforcement you should support a good public defender system because ultimately for law enforcement it's really frustrating too to arrest somebody and they don't go to trial for five years witnesses go away evidence goes away right the the speed of time that you bring somebody to trial also affects the potential efficacy of a prosecutor. Yeah. Well, right? the, money, the money we're wasting housing them and in the meantime, too. A hundred percent. Could that, pay for the bump in the pay for the public defenders. And, and if you're a fiscal conservative looking at it going, okay, somebody set in prison for six years before they went for, to trial, yeah. or set in jail, rather, I should say, for six years before they went to trial, we were paying to house that person for six years. They were ultimately acquitted, right? What, what is it? What's the average? Like seventy thousand dollars a head, something like that. A it's year? not quite that expensive, but it's expensive. It's expensive. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's a lot of money, and, and candidly, it's on the sheriff's budget. It's too. a lot of county money yeah, because they're they're saying. sitting in county jails. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's take a break real quick. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards show.